As probably most of you know, last Tuesday we buried little Annie Price. Uh, and I want to thank everybody who brought food and helped up here uh, as we served the family. Y'all did a great job. It was, it, the family was so pleased and so thankful everything that, uh, for everything that you did. And uh, they just wanted to make sure that you knew and I'm very grateful to you because it was all kind of at the last minute. And, uh, but everything went real well. And we had plenty of food. And so, again, thank you all very much. And it's very, very much appreciated. Uh, today, I would like to speak to you for just a few minutes. Uh, and I've entitled this, Jesus' Most Painful Moment. And I think we all probably know what that is, but we're going to look at it. Because it, it, what Jesus did and what he went through really shows a lot about his love and his care for each one of us. And, uh, but you know, uh, there is a pain that can be worse than physical pain. You know, physical pain is bad, but sometimes that pain deep down on the inside is worse than the outer pain. Uh, we have that pain of rejection, betrayal, pain of abandonment, and the loss of a loved one that just gets with us. And that's what I was thinking about Annie's family too and uh, the pain that they're going through right now losing their mother and uh, their grandmother. You know, I've never seen the like of grandchildren in my life. There were so many. It got down to great, great, great grandchildren. And it, it's a big family and I know they're all hurting and they're going through a pain right now that I guess we've all gone through at one time or another in losing a loved one. I know that Pat and Roy, you know, they've lost loved ones. Matter of fact, here just the other day, it'd been, what, how many years? Four? Oh, it don't seem like four years. That Jeff died and... Uh, and the pain is still there. I mean, you know, they know he's home, but yet he's not here with them. And that's the way it is. Whenever we can't reach out and touch that person, we can't hold them, we really miss them that much more. And, uh, and it, that pain of losing a loved one, and, and I think, I'll tell you another pain that I think is probably about as bad as any of them, and that's the pain of when a child tells their parents, I don't love you anymore. And they walk out of the parent's life. Now that is a lot of pain. And I can say, we, and, and, and I, I think the biggest part of us have all felt pain. We've been, we, most of us have felt betrayal. We have felt the hurt that comes from somebody like abandoning you. And it can feel like you'll never get over that hurt. You know, but what I want to do this morning is I want us to think about 
what has been said to be Jesus' most painful moment. His most painful moment. And uh, probably our minds will wander back to uh, his crucifixion. Probably we think of that Roman whip, that cat of nine tails. You know, that was very... I, I don't know, I'm sure we probably nearly everybody in here saw the movie The Passion and saw what Jesus looked like after, after that cat of nine tails. He was almost unrecognizable. But you know that cat of nine tails had pieces of metal, stone, bone, and everything else in the ends of that whip. And when they would use that whip, a lot of times it would open up the human flesh. And it said that you could even see the vital organs in Jesus' body. That's how bad, that's how painful that whip was. And it had to be one of the most painful moments of Jesus' life. And then it is probably one of the most horrible things that a person could go through. The Roman soldiers, the Romans developed this. The Romans were good at developing things to cause pain. That kept people under control whenever they would come against the Romans. They knew what they were going to face. And most of them would back down and never challenge the Romans because of what they could do to you. But as bad as all that was, you know, it was still not Jesus' most painful moment. And talking to people, you think, well, it's, it's got to be the crucifixion. When they put him on that cross, when they nailed him to that cross, when they put those spikes through his hands or through his wrists, through his feet, said, now that had to be painful. And just what about when he had to raise himself up, that where his back was just shredded, but where he would have to push himself up against that rugged old cross just to take a breath of air? That had to be pain. That had to be a lot of pain. But you know, even as bad and as much pain as that was, that still wasn't Jesus' worst pain. You said, well, what in the world could be any worse than that cat of nine tails, the spikes, the cross itself? In Matthew chapter 27, it tells us what Jesus' worst pain was. Now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land unto the ninth hour. At about the ninth hour Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sachabati. That is to say, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why have you forsaken me? These words may surprise us and cause us to wonder, what did Jesus mean when he was crying out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You know, it's, it's hard for human beings to even imagine what was taking place and going on here. This had to be Jesus' most painful and terrible moment of his death. First of all, and I don't know if you know it or not, but this was also a fulfillment of prophecy. 
in Math, excuse me, in, in, in Psalms 22.1, it says that Jesus would say this, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But, the, but this words that Jesus spoke, well, these words that Jesus spoke were not man in his physical pain, and Jesus' faith wasn't failing him. At that moment, Christ hung on the cross. He was bearing the sins of the world. The sins of the world were being poured out on Jesus Christ. Jesus was dying as a substitute for you and me. He was dying in our place. He was dying for our sins. He was dying for us and what we had done and for what we will do. Do you realize that Jesus' death even paid for the sins of those that are yet to come? If they will come to God and confess those sins. He took care of sins from what had happened to what was happening to what will happen. All the guilt of our sins were being placed upon Jesus. All of our guilt was being placed upon Jesus. And he was suffering all of God's punishment for those sins that we had committed. He was taking the punishment. And just think about it. Jesus had done nothing but love us. But that's his love. He took our sins that we committed so that we wouldn't have to go through what He did. He took our place on that cross. All the guilt of our sins were being placed upon Jesus and He was suffering all of God's punishment for the sins that we committed. He was suffering God's punishment. God was taking out His punishment for sin on his own son who was there when we should have been. You talk about love. We sang that song. Love. The cross. And it all boils down to Jesus Christ. It all boils down to his love for us. All this punishment Jesus was suffering was the outpouring of God's wrath against all sinners. God Help back nothing. He didn't make it easy on Jesus just because that was his son. God knew what had to take place and what had to happen for the forgiveness of sin to take place. And he sent his son to do it. He sent his son to take our punishment, to take the full blunt of the punishment of sin. Most people say, well, yeah, but I'm sure that God probably numbed Jesus where he felt nothing. No. Remember, Jesus was, was deity, but he was also flesh. He was born just like you and me. God sent him into this world to suffer sins just like us. You know, if Jesus hadn't suffered the sins that he did, we would have to. We would have to suffer them. 
I don't think we as humans can fully understand that during those awful hours on that cross that the Father was pouring out his full measure of wrath. Like I said, God held back nothing. He was pouring out his full measure of wrath against sin. And the one that was receiving God's wrath was his own son. That's why Jesus said what he said in John 3.16. For God so loved the world, I'm going to put it like this, for God so loved you and me that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes on him will not have, <coughs> excuse me, should not perish but have eternal life. Perish simply just simply means to be separated for all eternity from God. That's what perish means. To be separated from the presence of Almighty God for all eternity. You know, think about it. God was punishing Jesus as though Jesus himself had committed all those sins personally. He punished Jesus like it was Jesus who had committed the sin. Those sins had to be paid for. They had to be taken care of. Jesus shed blood, had to be shed. That is the only way that, that uh, sins can be forgiven, is through the shedding of blood. There is no forgiveness of sins without the shedding of blood. And you know, the shedding of blood had to be from a perfect sacrifice. One without spot or blemish. One that had no sin. That's why they used to use a perfect lamb. A lamb with no spot, no blemish, nothing wrong with it. And knowing a little lamb knew no sin. It was an innocent little lamb. That's why they called Jesus the Lamb of God. Because he was perfect and he was sinless. And that's why. You know, John himself, John the Baptist himself, condemned Jesus Christ to death by something he said. When Jesus Christ come walking down to the Jordan to be baptized, what did John say? Behold, look, it's the Lamb of God. People, people might not knew much about Jesus right then, but they knew exactly what a lamb was for. That's what a lamb was for, to be sacrificed. And that's why Jesus came, is to be sacrificed for you and for me. And in doing so, God could forgive those that believed in Jesus Christ his son and ask for forgiveness. It is as if they had lived Christ's perfect life and his righteousness. God erased our sin never to remember it again through the blood of Jesus Christ. In Psalms 103, it tells us how God does this. It says, As far as the east is from the west, so far has God removed our transgressions or our sins from us? When we confess those sins, He takes those sins. He casts them as far as the east is from the west. He never brings them up. Do you not realize at the judgment seat of Christ, we will be given rewards for, for our life here on earth and how we served Him. Now at the great white throne judgment, Jesus is still the judge. And, we're, and those that have not confessed their sin, have not accepted Jesus Christ, will stand before Him. 
He will look at them. He will open the Lamb's book of life. If their name is not in that Lamb's book of life, they're cast into the pit of hell for all eternity. I kind of, y'all probably seen it. Many times it says, do not die without your name being written down in the Lamb's book of life. Your name is going to be looked at. God keeps records. Do y'all notice over in Revelation where he said he opened the books and the Lamb's book of life? The books are the cuss words, the things that we have said and done. The Lamb's book of life has got our name in it. The name of the one who has been forgiven. The names of the one who has eternal life. Which book is your name written in? Have you come to Jesus Christ and asked Him to forgive your sins? We have all sinned and come short of the glory of God is what the Bible tells us. Every one of us. And the punishment for sin is death. But eternal life is a gift of God through His grace. God wants to forgive our sins. He wants us to be in heaven with Him. See, when Jesus cried out to His Father, it was not a cry against the Father. But it was a cry to Him. Jesus was just recognizing what was happening. All the sins of the world was poured out on him. And that in all his father's righteousness, God could not look upon sin. This is the first and the only time that God has ever had to turn his face away from his own son. That's what Jesus was saying. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Simply because God had to turn his face away from his own son while the sins of this world would be pouring out upon him because God could not look upon sin. And when Jesus died on that cross, those sins, our sins, died with him. Now, after that, God could look upon his son. And just shortly after that, he said, Father, it is finished. It is finished. As a matter of fact, that was like Jesus saying, Father, I have accomplished, I have done all that you have sent me to do. It is now finished. The sins of man have now been taken care of. See, that's why Jesus came. He came to take the sins of the world away. To remove sin from our lives so that we could have eternal life with God. When God, you know, I'm just, I've often wondered, when God approached Christ with this offer, Son, some things are going to have to take place and you know what we're going to have to do. Would you be willing to go down to that earth? Would you be willing 
to step out of your deity here in heaven and go down to that earth and become man? Would you be willing to die for the sins of all the people so that they could have eternal life? I don't even think Jesus hesitated. I said, yes, Father, I'll do it. I'll go. Father, I love those people. I love them with all my heart. I love them with everything that's in me. I will die for them. I don't think Jesus put up any kind of an argument. Jesus knew why he came to this earth. He knew he came to give his life so that we could have life. And he was willing to do so. Jesus, if you look at it like this, Jesus was forsaken by God for just a time so that we could enjoy his presence forever. When Jesus was forsaken, he did it for us. Jesus was forsaken that we might be forgiven. That's why he came. So that we could be forgiven. And I'm just wondering, how many of us have ever said to ourselves, when maybe something didn't just go just like we thought it should, does God really love me? Think about what we just talked about. Then ask yourself, does God really love me? And that answer is a great big giant. Yes, he does. Because look what he did for you. Look how he sacrificed his own son for you, for the sins, for the filth that we have committed. That's God's love. And you ask, doesn't he care what I'm going through? Doesn't he care what's happening to me? Doesn't he love me? Pick up your Bible and look and see what Jesus did to prove God's love. We don't have to ask that question. That should be right here constantly every day, 24 hours a day. Every time you open your eyes, you always say, Lord God, thank you for loving me. Simply because of what he did, what his son went through for us. Mohammed didn't do it. No, he didn't. All the, no other God did this. They're all dead and in the grave. Our God is alive and well. And he's still on the throne. He's still watching over you. He's still watching over your family. Yes, God loves you. He cares about what you go through. Maybe sometimes God has... I don't know if y'all heard it or not. I did a little deal last Thursday called In the Valley. Sometimes we have to go through a valley. Sometimes we get in that valley. And many times God sends us through that valley to get our attention about what's going on in our life. He wants to wake us up. And when we wake up and realize God's love, pray to Him and ask Him to forgive those sins, He brings us out of the valley. And he puts us back on that mountaintop. But sometimes we will go through the valley just to remind us there is a God. He does care. But we have to be true to Him 
serve him, love him. Matter of fact, that's one of the greatest commandments that Jesus said there was. To love the Lord thy God with all their heart, all their mind, and all their soul, and your neighbor as yourself. Sometimes it's hard to love a neighbor, but it's so easy to love God. But we still have to love our neighbor too. When you get down in those dumps and down kind of in the pit, you might say, think about God's love. God, am I going through this for a reason? Many times the things we go through is for a reason. That's so that God can get our attention and get us back to Him. Why do you think He sent all those Hebrew children to Egypt? They got to where they wasn't serving Him. They got to where they were rejecting him. They got to where they were worshiping false gods and everything else. So God said, okay, if that's what you want, I'll show you what it's like. And he sent them to Egypt under Pharaoh. And they they became nothing but slaves. They started hollering, get us out, take us out. Then what he did, they still were murmuring and complaining. And that cost them another 40 years wandering around in the desert. How long do we have to wander around in a desert before we realize who God is? God's going to wake us up. I think he's got made, like, like, like you've seen it before, this is probably what we're going through now is one of God's biggest altar calls he's ever made. We need to come down to these altars. We need to pray for this church. We need to pray for this country. And we need to pray that God will restore us back to His goodness and to His grace. So many people have turned away from God and that's exactly what He said they'd do. There will come a falling away. People won't believe. People want to go back into the world. And that's just what America is getting to be again is the world. We better wake up, people. And we better, we better get back with God closer than we've ever been. Because the way it looks, I don't think we got that much more time here before He comes back. For that rapture takes place and He takes His church out of here. He says, okay, church, you've been faithful to me. I'm going to be faithful to you. I'm going to pull you out of here. I'm, you're going to go back to heaven with me. Then all hell is going to break loose on this earth. And that's exactly what's going to happen. The Bible says it will be a time that the world has never seen and will never see again. That's how bad it is. He said it's even worse than Noah's flood. What we best do is wake up, say, Lord God, forgive me of my sins. Help me to serve you in the way that you want me to. But Jesus proved how much he loves you and he's ready to do anything he has to to save your soul. He's already died for you. What else does he have to do? Now it's up to us to say, yes, Jesus, I am a sinner. Forgive me of my sins and receive me as your child. Forgive me and let me be your child. You know, the moment you say that, Lord, I'm a sinner, come into my life, be my Lord, be my Savior, you now have your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life and you're on your way to heaven and something happens. It's that easy. It's that simple. Don't try to make it difficult. I'm going to ask the band to come up if you will. If you're here today 
If you think that, that you might need Jesus back in your life in a stronger and more powerful way, there's an altar up here that you can come up here and kneel at. I'll pray with you. There's others here in the church that will pray with you. But please, if you're not sure that you're saved, that you belong to Jesus, no better time than to do it today. Because we, like I said before, we're not guaranteed other than the time we've got right now. You're not guaranteed you're going to make it home. You're not, going to, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. Many people say, well, I'll do it next week. You're not guaranteed next week. What happens if you die between now and next week? You don't have eternal life if you have not accepted Jesus Christ. You say, Bill, are you trying to scare me? If that'll help, yes, I am. If it'll help, yes. But what I've told you is the truth. If you don't believe me, pick up your Bible, read it, and see if I've said anything that the Bible has not said. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm going to tell you what the Word of God says. You may not like it, but it's still what the Word of God says. Kind of like they're saying, they're not going to re rewrite the Bible just because there's something there you don't like. God wrote this Bible through, his, through the inspiration of His Word to the prophets, His inspired Word. He told them what to put in there. He put everything in there we need to know and He didn't leave out anything. He told you about heaven. He told you about hell. He told you about sin. He told you about death. He's told you what's going to happen. I'd believe God if you don't believe me. Believe God. I'm going to ask the band to play. If you do need to get Jesus Christ back in your life in a stronger, more powerful way, today's the day. Today is the day of salvation.